What do you know about the history of Halloween, Nigel? Hmm. Why do we celebrate Samhain? Yeah. A pagan holiday where one time of the year you're allowed to communicate with the dead, isn't that it? The dead walk among us. Yeah, Samhain, or it's kind of spelled like Samhain, but it's right. like Gaelic, so it's totally, yeah. it's always pronounced like in a way that's completely different from the way that it yeah. looks. <laughs> I thought I was Wiccan for some point yeah. in time in my life, so I, yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, I mean, it's like, you know, the foundation for Halloween, it's the day before, you know, it's the eve, the night when the, the veil is kind of, you know, thin between the, the worlds of the spirits and the and the world of like the living. So mm-hmm. the dead can cross over mm-hmm. and um, interact with the living. Right. The next day is, you know, what is it? All Souls All Day? All Saints Day. All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this Halloween, Samhain, you know, tradition, one of the things that makes this holiday kind of spooky and scary is we have this this interaction between like the living and the dead and so the living have to figure out a way on this one night of the year to kind of get through without a ghosty or like a fairy or something (laughs) getting you right 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 right, right. (laughs) and like so many uh so many traditions that they have this like pagan uh, western european kind of origin um like historical origin they've they've uh, you know they've been co-opted over time and i don't know how halloween got all of a sudden cute and when you go into the stores you see nothing but like cutesy little ghost mm-hmm. ghosts i don't like cute halloween props ladies and gentlemen I like scary Halloween props, and I I have to say that one of my favorite Halloween decorations is the jack-o'-lantern. I mean, I just think it's the potential for, like, spookiness is so fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, in Florida, without proper precautions, you can't really carve a pumpkin and have it last more than 12 hours. Yeah, you really have to do it day of. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to make it. It'll be a a brown blob in, like, two days. I've tried. I've done um, carving, like, a turnip before, and it's the spookiest jack-o'-lantern. Like it literally looks like a little shrunken head. Like it's super terrifying. So definitely go give it a shot this yeah. uh, this Halloween for sure. It's it's really uniquely like spooky. Yeah, yeah. But the you know the point of that is that it's the the face that is on these jack o' lanterns that you know has this power not just to kind of like creep out little kids who are you know doing trick or treating in your neighborhood, but also to ward off outside evil. Yeah as well right right <laughs> <laughs> so come along with us on come this along. spooky on podcast the, s- the spooky journey Welcome to the Materialist Podcast, episode nine. The ninth episode. This is the special Halloween episode, Miss Becky. I'm ghosty, ghosty, uh, ghosty, ghost, terrific. Ghostface killer. Uh, Nigel Rudolph from the FPAN Central region. The ghost, terrific, hauntatious Crystal River. And I'm from... Uh, yeah, 
I'm from across <laughs> the Great Divide. I'm Becky O'Sullivan. I work at the FPAN Tampa office. Um, and Tampa, we have lots of cemeteries. They're in places where they probably shouldn't be. So that's pretty spooky. <laughs> that is pretty spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we work often around the spookiest of things, like cemeteries. Yeah, I don't think cemeteries are I spooky, don't think though. They're spooky. I love either. them. Yeah, I, I, in fact, I take my daughter there often to a cemetery just to let her run around, and people right. think that that's freaky, but I think it's wonderful. Yeah, so that's why, even though this is our very special Halloween episode, we're not going to talk about cemeteries right. because we don't think that they're spooky or scary. We do not want to equate cemeteries with spook spookiness because, um, you know, they're places to celebrate and learn. Yeah. People have been in Florida for at least 15,000 years. And so there's dead people everywhere. Cemeteries are like outdoor museums, people. They're not spooky. They're wonderful places to learn a lot about uh, small cultures, subcultures, and religions, and ethnic groups. And yeah, cool. Fantastic, cool shit. But today we are going to be talking about spooked, spooktacious, spookerific spookiness. Um, Halloween episode. This is sort of a special episode. Halloween is my favorite holiday. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Um, and it's really great. I, I go to town with decorations. And I was wondering as I was getting down my decorations and um, I wondered where they, I thought I had more. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered that I never took take them down. <laughs> like <laughs> they're and, just art. Yeah, you have like don't you? You used to have a um, bookshelf that was like a coffin with like out, yeah. Now it's a shoe rack. Oh okay. Oh that's true. Yeah okay. Yeah you have that outside now. There's like skulls just randomly. Yeah. I mean like we said in previous episode, you've got like Ouija board like mm-hmm. on the wall, mm-hmm. all kinds of. There's a bag. Of, there's a new bag of bones. Yeah. Bags of bones and creepy masked dolls. You know, Halloween is full of all these sorts of um, objects that are kind of creepy because they have to do with faces. So in this episode, we're going to explore some of these interesting examples of material culture that can scare us. So it could be things like jack-o'-lanterns, right? Which are um, carved to scare off the, you know, evil forces Mm -hmm. it could be creepy dolls that are you know objects that are just a little too human for our comfort or even one of our favorite um scary masks so think about all of the slasher movies and horror movies that you see with um you know the the bad guy the monster is wearing a a creepy mask so it's a human that looks a little bit less than human because of the the mask that they're wearing right or this concealment of identity so you don't know who is stalking you and chopping you into pieces yeah so we'll um get into get into that and how all these things are um kind of related and then we also have a very special segment that we're going to do on material culture in the cinema in the cinema with um (laughs) <laughs> creepy movie kind of weird, uh, in, kind of insane movie that Nigel and I watched last night where an object of material culture um, comes to life yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we're gonna be doing a brief uh, the uh, I don't even know if you'd call it a horror movie honestly but we're gonna it be doing a kind brief of a brief a movie review of an interesting material culture related um <laughs> horror movie it falls into the horror genre yeah. for sure mm-hmm. it's, there's horrific moments there certainly were well yeah and i think like in this episode also um we want to go back you know to this idea that we have of like do objects have agency yeah. so do what in what ways do objects control us or affect us right and so if you think about it what objects have more agency over us or more control or effect on us than the objects that scare the crap out of us, right? Yes. So, I mean, these objects, especially related to Halloween, that scare us, but, you know, why is it that they have this effect on us? What is the some of the kind of psychological things that go yeah. behind it, you know, go behind um, these objects that make them so scary and just really, um, you know, strike fear in our hearts? Objects that blur the lines between material culture and human beings. You know, things that are um, too people-y, like <laughs> uh, creepy dolls yeah. 
or even people that are too thingy, yeah, right? So right. someone like an axe murderer wearing a mask, right? Or, and you know, we see that in a lot of horror movies. When we blur that line between people and material culture, that can in- inspire almost a primal sense of unease and kind mm-hmm. of fear in us. Okay. It's on like Donkey Kong. It's on like Donkey Kong. Okay, Miss Becky. We are talking about one of the scariest. There's this subgenre in horror movies about killer dolls and, you know, Annabelle, of course. My understanding is one of the first depictions of like a kind of murderous doll in popular culture um, was in the... um, in the twilight zone but talkie tina is this like really you know a doll that can talk and move in these really creepy ways and then it starts to uh gets unhappy with the way things are in the household and starts like killing the parents and like always <laughs> pushing awesome. people down the stairs and yeah like i'm talkie tina and i hate you or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know and and you have um like dolls that are killers themselves right. like um chucky like chucky from child's play that these dolls that are actually murderers themselves and then you have dolls that like annabelle that's like possessed mm-hmm. by demons right. and it the doll itself isn't doing the the killing or the harassing or the harming it's like the entity that is occupying the doll is right. doing that and it's, so it's it's using the doll sort of as this um this way to manifest itself in this person's life mm-hmm. so that there's like two different genres with that and speaking specifically to um the situation of like demonic possession there's this real florida story um and i'm sure lots of our listeners probably have heard about this out of key west um but this this super creepy doll called robert the doll and i'm not going to go into the story in any any kind of detail because you could there's so much information there's been movies made about it there's tons of podcasts that are all about robert the doll you can actually go to key west and visit it in in a museum and see it behind a glass Mm -hmm. case but this is a creepy doll that was uh, uh, was built in Germany, made in Germany in the late 1800s, and then the family, this wealthy family, brought it to um, their their Key West home, and it's said to be possessed by the devil and and, and cursed, and will curse you if you don't um, like give it the proper respect. Right, if you look at it wrong, <laughs> yeah. or like it'll make you like right. drop your you know coffee or whatever. Yeah, or right, like right. Yeah, it's like nothing's <laughs> nothing's like. Um, I don't I don't I don't think I've read any stories that are like, you know, like you'll fall off a building or fall down to some stairs, you know, it's a pretty creepy doll. And it's like a a pretty big sized doll. And I think one of the things that makes it look really creepy is that it has these like black glossy eyes. Yeah. So it has it has like a very human child like proportions. But then these eyes that are just totally like black and like yeah. shiny and staring out at you. Which well, is the eyes are the window to the soul, and so, so when true. you when so you true. see uh, when you see the blacked out eyes, it's it, it communicates this the soul of this doll or this person or right. like you know whatever they're trying to convey. This this being is completely lacking of a soul, or their soul is dark, right. um, and it's 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 super unnerving to mm-hmm. s- not see. The whites of the eye. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. really a bizarre thing, and I mean, it's I think one of the reasons why people get their eyes tattooed, oh my um, God. <laughs> which is crazy. I don't yeah. recommend anybody ever doing that. Yeah, I when I was like a kid, I had this like porcelain doll collection, and so I had them all like up on a shelf like in my room. And I was when I was a little kid, you know, I liked them, I would play with them, but then as I got older, they would freak me out at night when I was going to sleep to see this like row of porcelain dolls like staring at me from the shelf. So I had put them away somewhere. Yeah, my my wife, um, her uh, her mother um, had this cabinet that was filled with like creepy dolls. It was like the creepy doll cabinet. <laughs> and I don't know where it went after she passed or where all these dolls went after she passed, but I'm, I'm glad they're not in my house. But it, cause it was, they ranged in size and there was big ones on the bottom and then little ones on top. And you know, it didn't matter anywhere in the room you went, you could see <laughs> like the, these dolls are just staring at you. And of course, in my twisted mind, um, you know, the second everybody goes to sleep, the dolls like wake up and like yeah. open the cabinet and rummage around and eat cornbread why can't they like 
rummage around and like answer my emails or like do like take out the garbage or do something like that you know so there's this movie from 2016 called The Boy, and in, in in that movie, there's the movie's all about this this creepy large like large scale porcelain doll. It's about the size of like an 11 year old kid. Is there a picture? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> oh god. And so he's super hyper uh, hyper realistic, but very, not, but yeah, but not right. And so gross. the eyes are too big. Very very the skin like is pale just totally skin. like smooth and like too pale the family that owns this uh, this doll in the movie is like this uh, um husband and wife and their their child died and so um this was a doll of their kids and so basically they replaced their kid with this doll and they had to feed it and they hired a nanny to take care of it and 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 it so it was very very creepy um and i'm not going to give any spoilers but they they brought in a a babysitter while they went on vacation to watch this doll to manage this doll and you know you know hits the fan from that point hilarity on. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> yeah, hilarity <laughs> ensues. But it's, it's uh, we'll post a picture of it on, on the Insta, really but it's something that looks not quite real. But just enough just, <laughs> yeah, real. Yeah, just <laughs> enough realness that it, you, you uh, get freaked out. Yeah, plunge us into the valley of despair. We're going to talk about masks a lot in this episode because masks are, I mean, they're not unique to Halloween, but they they do have a unique um, kind of spooky quality to them. Right. And I mean, as humans, there have been a lot of you know studies on this, but we're really hardwired to see faces and to seek them out. I mean, babies, like the first things that, uh, you know, babies will focus on and look to is, you know, yeah. faces. Um, and so this, it's just a really kind of, primal um and powerful thing that is part of what makes us human so when we look at faces that are a little bit off like you were saying with a mask that's Mm -hmm. clear in it we have these kind of like double face or it's Mm -hmm. obscuring or um you know objects that are made to look to have somewhat human faces that can create this like tension you know and unease that we feel with some of these objects especially related to halloween and what we're going to talk about right so let's talk about this concept uh, called the Uncanny Valley. Um, it was uh, developed in relation to robotics and aesthetics, and it might not seem on the surface to be related to masks and uh, creepy dolls, but it is very much so. And it, this was a, a concept identified by a robotics professor, Masahiro Mori, um, in the 1970s. And basically what the Uncanny Valley is, is a hypothesized relationship between the degree of an object's resemblance to a human being and the emotional response to such an object. So when something looks almost human, <laughs> but not quite human, it looks almost real, but not quite real, uh, some, something doesn't seem right Right. So, yeah. Slightly so missing. if something is super, it has a face, but it's super non-human, right? Like a cartoon character, like Hello Kitty or whatever, right? Like it's got like <laughs> eyes and nose and mouth, but you know, it's in a safe place because we can put that in the thing category. Right. Or if something is so realistic that it looks like a human face and we can't really tell the difference, then we put it in the human category. But just like we were saying, when it's pretty close but you know think of like a creepy like porcelain doll or something the eyes are a little too big maybe the you know the expression in the eyes doesn't match with the mouth that creates that kind of like dissonance or that you know that friction there that plunges us into the uncanny valley of unease yeah and i think the uncanny valley was really kind of this concept of relating to human beings but I, it could be stretched further into the context in which the people are in and so it's like that's that's really what the twilight zone was re- so mm-hmm. rooted in was this idea of like these these other places that are seem slightly abnormal like it seems normal on the surface but if you look a little bit harder um, you're going to start seeing the cracks in the veneer seeing right. things that things aren't right mm-hmm. and so there's this also in horror movies there's this whole you know genre of like environmental horror where things worth the world around you is part of the uncanny valley mm-hmm. yeah. all right so we talked about you know objects with faces that can help us out and scare away like all the demons and ghosties and we talked about objects that are a little too people and 
scare us, <laughs> give us some nightmares. I think I'm going to have nightmares after seeing the picture of that <laughs> boy doll. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but let's uh, jump into one of your favorite subjects, Nigel, and let's talk about um, some people from horror movies that are a little bit too much like um like things like material culture yeah. how do uh what what is it about um uh horror movies that feature um uh, people with scary masks that really get to us the initial uncomfortableness that you can get from somebody in a mask is this the hidden identity so the mm -hmm. masks they're hiding the per especially full face masks they're hiding the person's identity you don't know who's under there you don't know what their motives are you're you're missing out on these the most expressive parts of a you know the human body is the eyes like you're not yes. seeing that those are the scariest and it's not even that they don't have like you know eye holes it's just that the eyes are set back and it's just like yeah. a, a deep like right. hole that you're looking into like you're not seeing the yeah the actual eyes of the person one of my favorite horror movies of all time is Halloween by, uh, by John Carpenter from 1978, the original, the first original one. Classic. Classic. And it's a masked figure. I'm sure people are familiar with Michael Myers, the Michael maybe Myers you've character. Heard of him. Yeah, maybe you've heard of him. Not from Austin Powers. No. But, <laughs> but his, um, it is a, a human mask. It's not like a monster mask right. or anything like that. It's a human face that they've altered, the filmmakers altered slightly enough to kind of really make it a lot less human so mm -hmm. it's got it has the features of a human face it's got the nose it's got the eyes it's got a mouth but it's it's dramatically missing like <laughs> the characteristics that we count on for humanism and for safety right, right. So, and the mask itself that they use in the film has a really fantastic story related to it so it was a, it was a William Shatner mask and um, I'll let John Carpenter explain <laughs> Well, when we were making the film, I thought, uh, gee, it's Halloween at night and people get dressed up in masks. What better way to have a killer not be identified than be wearing a mask? And we didn't have any money to make a mask. So, so my uh, production designer, Tommy Lee Wallace, went up to a magic shop right here on Hollywood Boulevard and bought a William Shatner Star Trek mask, Captain Kirk mask. Spray painted it, cut the eye holes a little bit different, fixed the hair, and there we go. How do you think William Shatner feels that his face can inspire or strike fear in the hearts of men? He loves it. I'm so glad that <laughs> my face is scary. <laughs> But then you have plenty of other like um, slasher killers that are masked, right? So many of them, um, you know. Um, Fr uh, well, Freddy Krueger doesn't have a mask, but he's his burned. face is really messed up. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, you know, he has the his other piece of material culture that's related to his being a monster is the gloved, the razor mm -hmm. gloved hand. Um, and then you have Jason from Friday the Thirteenth yeah. with the the uh, hockey mask, and then you have the the leather Scream face. leather face. Yeah, he, he's wearing an actual face. And then of course this the killer from Scream, uh, the Scream Scream killer, killer. guy. <laughs> right. I read another um, an article about this, and you know one idea about why specifically this kind of idea of a mass killer is so scary is this idea of like a faceless death yeah. that is coming for us. You know, it's one thing if you are attacked and killed by, you know, someone that you know, or, you know, at least you can like see their face, but to have like this, you know, faceless killer, this force of death that, you know, kind of coming for you is that much more terrifying. You found an article about some Israeli masks that were insanely scary. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I was looking, you know, doing some research. What are the oldest masks that have kind of ever been found? So um, I don't know if these are the oldest. They're pretty old, though. But um, there are these masks that have been found by archaeologists in um, Israel. And they date back at least 9,000 9, years. years and they're stone masks. And one idea is that they're kind of meant to represent the maybe the ancestor spirits or, you know, of the spirits of the dead um, for people back then. But they have these really bizarre round eyes. They have these kind of skeletal mouths and some yeah. of them are in like these kind of like sneering smiles that are really kind of creepy. Um, but they come from this kind of time period where people in the, what is now um, Israel were kind of, 
converting their way of life from being, you know, hunter gatherer to more sedentary kind of agricultural lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So they represent this, like these community rituals and things that people were kind of taking on um, starting in that time. But 9,000 year old yeah, masks. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. And here in Florida, we've, you very rarely find that kind of thing archaeologically. Um, but down at the Key Marco site, mm -hmm. they found all yeah. those. But those those masks aren't scary at all. They're they're really. Yeah, you they're know, I think because they're animal um, effigy masks, they're uh, they, in my opinion, don't generate that same disconcerting kind of uncanny valley visual. Right. Yeah. So for those who don't um, know about the Key Marco site, it's this really cool, um, wet archaeological site. So like if you listen to our preservation podcast on the previous episode. Uh, there was a lot of wood preservation. And so archaeologists back in the day with Frank Hamilton Cushing, like a hundred years ago, found this site and found these masks. Um, but they're really amazing carved wooden masks. Um, some of them have kind of animal qualities. I mean, there's one that is legitimately looks like a panther or a cat, but that you could also like some of the paint was still kind of preserved on them. But um, that's one of the best known examples that I can think of here in Florida of archaeologically finding masks and that sort of a thing. And Native Americans in the northwest coast, um, uh, you know, up towards Alaska and um, Washington State and the, the Tlingit tribes. And, and mm -hmm. I don't know how to properly pronounce that. Please forgive me if any Tlingit people are listening. <laughs> we're trying. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're trying. But in the the masks that they use are just absolutely breathtaking um animal representations mostly you know you know like obviously in horror movies you know masks are you're kind of creating this like blank non-human face but in you know some of these archaeological examples masks are a way that people can transcend our humanness um, especially for these specialized rituals so we can um transcend that and become you know something else entirely whether yeah. that's um, an ancestor spirit or um, an animal or a force of nature or something right. like that let me jump in here real quick uh, last week becky and i had the chance to do some live recording in a cemetery we talked a little bit more about masks. Uh, we talked about our objects, our spooky objects. Um, and uh, I'm going to bring that for y'all right now. Becky and I are sitting in the Arapika Cemetery. In, ooh. ooh, we are actually in a cemetery right now, right? Just turn up the background noise and see yeah. if you hear any EVPs. <laughs> yeah, and we are, uh, where is Arapika? We're in Hernando County, Spring Hill, um, just next to the Hernando Pasco Community College, State College. But, yeah, it's a cool little cemetery. Yeah, it's a really cute little cemetery. It's not very big. Um, it has some old stones. Most of them are modern. Um, but yeah, that's really nice, and I suspect we're going to be doing some programming here in the near future. But so, you know, masks have been a kind of um, thing that anthropologists have been interested in studying. I think since anthropology even yeah. became a thing. Last night I was watching this documentary, like this old ass documentary, probably from the '60s or '70s. That was um, Claude uh, Levi Strauss, who's like oh, a famous, famous anthro. anthropologist. Um, and he like went to the Pacific Northwest and pretty much like mansplained to native people living there, like what their <laughs> what masks their are masks all about. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that part of it was interesting as an anthropologist today to kind of watch how he was interacting with people whose culture he was studying. But, um, <laughs> yeah. it was really interesting to see the masks that he was looking at and, Levi Strauss has, I mean, he did a lot of research on masks. He had a whole book that was about myth and masks and all that kind of thing. So, like I said, really popular kind of topic of anthropological study. Um, so I've got a quote here that kind of speaks to that. The facial disguise temporarily eliminated from social intercourse that part of the body through which people have long believed the individual's personal feelings and attitudes are revealed or can be deliberately communicated to others. The face is the organ by which self and society carry on the largest portion of the communication in which they engage. So that's the thing about masks is that they are 
concealing the part of our body that does the most to communicate with others and the part of our body that, um, that others look to first when they're trying to understand who we are and what we're all about. Right. And it's like during the, uh, the, the ancient Grecian times when they would have these, the big amphitheaters and the actors would be up on stage. The actors were wearing masks, um, that had like generic representations of emotions. So because the people, these giant amphitheaters that would six, you know, 6,000, 8,000 people, they couldn't see the stage this before the days of jumbotrons. (laughs) And so for them to know how to react to the situation that was happening on stage, these actors were wearing these huge masks with smiling faces mm-hmm. and frowning faces and angry faces and loving faces so they could convey this rudimentary basic like emotions so the audience would understand what is happening right yeah so yeah like they can amplify like those emotions that we're trying to convey they can also conceal them and sometimes that's like the spookiest masks the ones that take your face and like take away all the features that make it the most human right 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 there's this movie that came out in 1971 called alice sweet alice um and uh it um starring brooke shields and the mask that she wore or the killer wore basically is just like this plastic clear plastic mask with with like um you know blush on the cheeks and more lipstick and an eyeliner but it it basically hid all those those facial features that really convey humanity and it made it exceptionally spooky with without any of the elaborate mask itch yeah so it's not you know the monster doesn't have to have like you know five eyes and big pointy teeth sometimes it's just like a (laughs) blank stare and like you know a hockey mask or something well it's funny i was reading a little bit about a goalie mask that jason wore oh my god i didn't realize it was like a (laughs) specific one um and they uh you know if you think about that it's really a terrible mask to wear if you're going to be a killer because your peripheral vision is gone like you can you can only see all these little tiny holes it would have been really difficult for him to go around killing people yeah unlikely that's that's the movies yeah the movies unlikely like, you know, Leatherface, who had plenty of, uh, you know. Yeah, when you wear someone else's face on top of your face, then yeah. that's, you know, it's it's made for uh, more, a better peripheral vision, for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sympathetic character, Leatherface. I do not think that Leatherface is a sympathetic <laughs> yes, He character. doesn't want to be I doing do not. that. He does. He's happy. <laughs> he, just wanna, he just wants to eat. Just a little bit of of lunch. Then he should run away and get a job like as a Starbucks barista or something. Like (laughs) he does not need to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre people. That is his choice. (laughs) Well, you know, that argument could go on and on. So I'd like to quickly mention that I, um, if you're interested at all in horror movies and the academic side of horror movies, like um, horror movie literature or horror movie criticism, there's this fantastic um, Facebook page um, called Horror Studies SIG. It's a Facebook group that deals strictly in like the academia of horror movies. Um, so people post articles, publications that they've written in uh, like horror movie academic theory. Um, people post information about the courses that they've taught in horror movie theory. Um, so it's super interesting if you're if you're a complete weirdo like me that it <laughs> obsesses on um, the macabre. <laughs> so let's talk about our objects. Okay. Becky, what's your object? All right. Um got it in a bag right here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, last night I um, channeled the spirits of my ancestors and I bought a um, a rutabaga which is pretty much a turnip and carved it into a traditional jack-o'-lantern what, what? yeah so the look at that yeah it's pretty spooky isn't it, it? it's exceptionally spooky. <laughs> yeah. it's exceptionally spooky so um you know like what we're kind of talking about in the podcast here is like p- the power of kind of faces and um that sort of thing and as uh, objects that can scare us and what's more kind of spooky and has more power than a jack-o'-lantern yeah. which is literally made to ward off the the forces of evil that's kind of the point of it right yeah one of my favorite uh pieces of material culture yeah and so the tradition of carving some kind of vegetable (laughs) into (laughs) a jack-o'-lantern goes back all the way to ireland 
um, where... Um, That's your motherland, is it not? My fatherland. Fatherland. Yeah. But, you know, either side, I yeah. guess. Um, so, um, you know, hundreds of years ago, um, Irish folks would um, carve... Uh, different root vegetables like turnips or even potatoes into these taters. Yeah, into these um, little lanterns to use on what is now what we now call Halloween or Samhain or mm. Samhain, however you yeah. want to pronounce it. But the day that people believed that ghosts and spirits and uh, evil forces could walk the earth before All Saints Day, which was November 1st. Right. And so the jack-o'-lantern was a way to ward off those um, evil spirits. So the face carved in it had the power to protect you from all the ghosties and ghoulies out there. Wow. So it really wasn't until Irish folks started immigrating to the States in the 19th century that we start to see pumpkins actually used as jack-o'-lanterns because they didn't have pumpkins over in Ireland, you know, that whole Colombian exchange sort yeah. of a thing, right? They did have potatoes, though. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did have potatoes Where did potatoes pumpkins. come from? From Peru, Nigel. All potatoes. It brings us to, like, our, like, ancestors <laughs> together. Aww, That's so nice. <laughs> so, um, so the first super spooky jack-o'-lanterns were made of turnips and all that kind of stuff and actually like in northern france apparently they uh use like sugar beets really carve those so they're all really scary i'll put a picture of mine on instagram but it will chill you to the bone please also carve uh some turnips this halloween because they're really spooky is it a root vegetable turnips okay Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're super spooky and they're pretty easy um, to carve, especially if you have like a melon baller, like mm. to get the inside out. So give them, give them a try. They're cheaper than pumpkins. Yeah. Um, win all around. And they're delicious with some uh, garlic olive oil. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah. <laughs> then you can use them also like the and eat them. They're good. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and so my object is something that I created. And so uh, I run this program called History by Gainesville. And one of the, um, it's, it's, you know, Halloween is my most favorite holiday of all the year. And I kind of live in this Halloween world throughout the year anyway. Um, but one of my favorite uh, things to do is dress up like this for the bike tour is this, this ghoulie tour guide. Right. It's pretty. It's a pretty awesome costume. Yeah. I definitely look forward to it every year. Yeah, and so I, what I have done is I, I I have a staff that the Ghoulie tour guide uses, and I uh, I've made a new staff for this tour that was better. It's something I've been wanting to do for a couple of years now, and so I made this new one. And instead of just a pole for the handle, it's a leg bone. Mm-hmm. Not a real one though. No, a not a real one. one. Yes, it's plastic. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then I created the skull to be like a, a sort of a a rotting vampire skull it's got fangs and I made all of it and and so it's really important to me as a Halloween aficionado and somebody that cares about like the props and the history of Halloween and it to make all the stuff that myself like I don't like going to the store and just buying generic props out of from Walmart or wherever and so uh, you know although I didn't make the skulls it was a plastic skull that I got a great deal on from Home Depot (laughs) Um, but uh, I uh, you know everything else and we'll put a picture in it um in in the instagram of my my spooky staff and it's got candles on top and it's gonna be it's really cool i'm kind of it was my big prop for this year i always make at least one prop each year and that's why my um attic is overflowing with halloween stuff (laughs) you know sometimes there are multiple props but um this year only time for one so both of our objects were spooky Halloween thing decorations yeah. that we made right. that feature faces that strike terror in the hearts of other people. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, hopefully mine doesn't strike too much terror. Although my two-year-old daughter wanted to hold it herself. Oh, so I, I bet she would be cute with it. <laughs> That'd be adorable. <laughs> I should like put a oh put God. a picture of that. And get a picture. Wow. So there's lots of people at the cemetery today. I thought we were in some kind of not very well visited cemetery but there seems to be an abundance of people here you know although we're broadcasting from a cemetery for this little uh sidebar here because we happen to be in the neighborhood uh, we kind of mentioned this at the beginning but to reiterate you know cemeteries aren't spooky um i think the fact that we're surrounded by the visual representations of people that have passed right the headstones i think it's a really wonderful um peaceful place i 
come to cemeteries all the time. Yeah, they're nice. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything to be spookified about it. Let's move into our feature review. Oh <laughs> Archaeology in the cinema. Dude, that movie was cray-cray. <laughs> cray-cray. So Becky and I watched this movie from, what is it, 2016? So, yeah, something like that. Rubber. <laughs> um, and uh, It's like, very appropriate for the podcast in general, yes, though. Yes, Well, you give the kind of okay, a synopsis. This is like the TLDR <laughs> for this uh, movie. So um, it's all about this tire, like a car tire in joshua tree like national park apparently yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is filmed, in is filmed there <laughs> but so this tire slowly comes to life and gains agency and it is able to roll around and move around and it it eventually goes on a murderous spree when it um figures out that it can use the powers of its tire mind to explode people's heads <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie was bonkers it, it, was, was, it was surprisingly well acted and yeah like clearly had a budget like a mm-hmm. decent budget because it wasn't like i mean i I watch my obsession is horror movies and so i've seen like w- ones that are fantastic and ones that are terrible but y- you can always tell the ones that have like big budgets and yeah. low budgets you know and this was clearly had a, a budget and whoever uh, I don't remember who the writer was, but I mean, just this concept of this killer tire is just absolutely insane. You know, spoiler alert, um, the tire kills a bunch of people. Then they make it into like this sympathetic character. Like I did not feel bad for that tire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's like the tire, like literally from the first moment that it gains like, tire personhood and starts rolling around it it's trying to like (laughs) either smash things or kill other living things like so it literally explodes a bunny which (laughs) made me super sad and a bird's head didn't it explode a bird like it like vibrates and like causes living things to explode <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Don't trust tires. What was it doing? Got <laughs> twenty minutes later, I got <laughs> tire blows up. I'm gonna take some notes, bruh. Okay, take a spray. The killer is a tire. And it's out for vengeance, which, you know, doesn't seem like, yeah, you know. like they were trying to make us feel bad because like the the tire, it like rolls up on this like field and these people are like burning other tires like in a big pile, big, you know, old tires. And so it, it like gets even greater hatred for humanity and then goes on like a killing spree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> but it is an object with unarguably has agency, right? Yeah, because it, yeah. it's choosing to murder people and go on a right, murderous right, rampage. Right. And, you know, and it also doubts its motives. And at one point, um, it, it, it like questions its its choice. And then it goes right back to what it was doing, designed yeah, to do. Yeah, it like hangs out like in the swimming pool, just yeah. kind of like sits <laughs> at the bottom chilling. of the swimming pool. The tire story again? <laughs> He's eating the pizza. I saw this tire get into room 16. He locked himself Okay, in. you know what? I've heard enough rubbish for the day. Yeah, it's right? rubbish. Now get that dirty tire out of the pool, or I'm going to get really mad. Don't do it. It reminded me of, like, um... Ferris Bueller's day off when Cameron's like up down at the bottom of the pool yeah, just exactly. like because he hates his life probably stole you know that yeah that that's probably yeah that's where <laughs> it came from so Rubber from uh, 2016 I highly encourage everybody to see this it's movie it's an experience you should watch it just went home do you want me to come back later? Um, probably why don't you go look in the shower yeah nobody does the sh- that the freaking tires taking a shower <laughs> the tires taking a shower <laughs> <laughs> so the tires taking a shower oh my god Listeners, the tire is taking a shower. <laughs> this is the craziest <laughs> movie. Well, we should probably go ahead and wrap it up. Um, this has been fun. Yeah. It's been a good episode. Yeah. Uh, we are again. We're broadcasting live. Yeah. Well, I guess finishing, not live. Up, uh, finishing up our podcast today. <laughs> uh, 
in the cemetery, which the cemetery. is not spooky, not spooky. And cemeteries are really cool, and you should go visit a historic cemetery near you. But uh, I'd like to thank all the listeners. Thank you so much for listening. We've gotten some good responses in the almost the year we've been doing this now. Yeah. And um, I can't believe it. it's almost I know, been a year. I know. So it's really cool. Um, please uh, like us and share, and really that matters. So if you could like us and maybe even be some do something crazy like comment on iTunes or something like that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and Spotify, as well as Instagram and Facebook. Thank you, F Pan Region West. Central. Thanks, F Penn Region Central. <laughs> um, Thanks, USF, where thank we you. work and are employed. Thank you, USF. Yes, very much. Uh, I'd like to thank Have Gun Will Travel for the use of their song Silver in the Age of Opulence. Um, if you'd like more information on Have Gun Will Travel, go to hgwtmusic.com or hgwtmusic on Facebook. Um, if you'd like anything, for, uh, like to give us ideas for stuff to cover on the materialists, that would be fantastic too you can um reach us at um at the materialist podcast at gmail.com and shoot us an email or out of any of the other like social media you know ways any of the social medias yes uh cool i've mentioned it we're good yeah and um for our next podcast we'll be coming at you with part two of our preservation podcast so hopefully you listen to episode eight so you know what that's all about but we'll be talking about preservation in the future yes yes part two which is equally scary to what probably what we talked about today because (laughs) we're ruining the earth yeah spoiler alert way more scary scary. look at the big sack of plastic bags you have in your pantry closet right now <laughs> All right, guys, it's getting really windy. We're going to go talk about cemeteries to a bunch of college kids right now. And yeah. so we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Masks. Masks. <clears throat> Masks. Like the man in the iron mask? Yes. What a terrible way to go. Yeah, that would be pretty bad. Just think how, like, sweaty your face would be. That's true, and get acne. Yeah, you would not be able to, like, have I know. good skin if yeah. you were wearing an iron mask. With a bunch of, yeah. Or terrible. if you had, like, a, an itch, like, on your face. Right. Or, like, hair, like, you got to trim your nose Yeah, hairs. it's like a hair that went in your eye. You would never be able to get it out. Terrible. So Freaking funny. medieval people are so oh my God. medieval. I don't know how Leonardo DiCaprio dealt with that. I know. Stronger man than I am. Faux show.
Cause I'm at a 